Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Thursday, November the 3rd, and this is episode number 171. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? They're going good, Rod. Did you enjoy your trip to Cleveland? Um, I I had an absolute blast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, it, yeah, it was so much fun. Um you know, not only not only the game and the way it turned out, but, um, you know, hanging out with with Sean and Jeremy and then, um, you know, getting to just hang out with people in general and then getting to meet some people at, um, you know, at the top dog tailgate. Um, I just, you know, the weather was perfect. I just don't know it could have been any better. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Great trip. Yeah, definitely. Um, joining us. Today is our guest, Susan Fisher. Uh, you can follow Susan at Brownstown76 on Twitter. Susan, how are things going for you? Things are going well. Thank you for having me on again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Glad, glad, you, could, glad you could join us. Um, looking, uh, looking forward to talking some Browns and... Um, just getting some thoughts from from you and and from Jeff, and um, hopefully having a little bit of fun tonight after a big Browns victory. Um, we don't, you know, uh, Browns are capable of doing this, but that game was just. Um, it, I just don't know that you can have a better game. You know, to um, I mean, obviously the Browns can always score more and the defense can shut somebody out, but the Browns were in control of that game for really um, just about the whole time. I mean, once once they scored anyways. So um, it, just seeing them have a dominant performance, I mean, for me, especially in Jeff, especially in person, um, it just doesn't get any better than, than what happened Monday. And the fact that it was on Monday Night Football just makes it that much better. So, so we, yeah, so we have the so we have the Browns um, Browns win uh, 32-13. Um, they were up 11 to 0 at halftime. Um, and, and at the end of three quarters, they're up 25 to nothing. Um, at that point, you know, I mean, you got to figure the game's over, you know, after three quarters. But, you know, um, we wanted to see a little bit of time click on you know check off the clock in the fourth quarter to to know for sure but um but yeah um they that puts the browns at um a three and five record um so now the afc north is uh, ravens at five and three Bengals at four and four browns at three and five steelers at two and six just a nice little <laughs> stack going there so um, right. lot, lots of games left in the schedule um I, I guess uh, I guess Susan, we'll go to you first. Um, how, how did you feel, you know, after after that game? Um, you know, what's what's your feeling? Um, you know, j- just I guess just about the team in general after after that game. Uh, watching them play that game uh, was the I think the most confidence that I've seen on both sides of the ball and probably coaching staff and game planning. For some reason, I think they just have the Bengals number. Of course, it helps when Jamar Chase 
isn't out there for Burrow, but when you have Miles Garrett, you know, double team spin move sack, it's a beautiful thing. And um, as we all know, pound the ball. Um, I think a couple times we saw Chubb and Hunt in the backfield together, which we've, I, I don't know about anybody else, but for me, I've always wanted to see them both in the backfield just for the defenses to have to try to read and make that read at the line of whether or not, you know, someone's coming out because they both are, you know, they can catch the ball well. That was fun to watch. Of course, Chubb. And I'll tell you, when he jumped over that guy, it was the most incredible thing I think I've ever seen in my life. I paused the TV and I took like a picture of it because I'm like, his athleticism is just astounding. Um, And then you add the Tasmanian devil out of the backfield who just runs angry. I thought everybody just besides that one play where it's, you know, someone who has never played quarterback. Here's a football throw it down the field. That was an iffy call. But overall, I think it was more team oriented. It just seemed like the confidence was there. The swagger. How about that? The swagger was there this week. I think that's what um, I think that's why they pulled out a W the way they did. Yeah, yeah. Great. Some great points there. So so, Jeff, I'll let you comment on any of that that you want. But I want to go I, I want to get your thoughts on this whole um Bengals thing and you know and and how the Browns play against the Bengals and and Joe Woods performance against the Bengals in in general so is this is this the players figuring it out with Joe Woods you know not only this week but the week before um, is it better coaching or or is it just that the Browns match up well against the Bengals well, I think there's certainly some truth to the fact that we match up really well against the Bengals, and I, and I agree with Susan. We do seem to have Joe Burrow's number. Um, you know, there, there's I think there's a lot more going on there, um, and a lot to unpack in that whole question. But um, I don't remember if it was you that said it, Rod, or, or one of the other guys that you know this was the most fun that we had had watching a game since the the Steelers playoff game where you know i think that was me yeah was that you yeah fumbled (laughs) ben fumbled the ball in the end zone and and you know it was we were just kind of off the races i mean it took a quarter for that to happen in this game but it just as the game wore on it just felt like that same kind of an experience you know you you felt like the team was playing extremely well and it was just a fun game to watch and they they looked loose they looked like they knew what they were supposed to be doing, like Susan said, very confident in, in how they were playing. Um, so, yeah, it was overall, it was, it was really a well-played game. Um, as far as Joe Woods goes, um, I don't know that Joe Woods did a whole lot different or differently in this game. Um, I think the, the personnel was different. Um, and mm. it, the, the guys at the, are playing linebacker now. Um, first of all, Sione Takitaki had the game of his life. Um, Agreed. And, Outstanding. And, and, yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, um, and, he and, De- and he and Deion Jones were able to put some pressure on Burrow up the middle, which we haven't seen that 
all season, really, from, from our linebackers. Our, our linebackers have mostly been dropping into coverage and kind of getting yes. lost back there. And and it seemed like, you know, that, that in this game, our linebackers were taking it to the Cincinnati offensive line and putting pressure mm-hmm. on Burrow. And, and, man, that was really great to see. And I think this is the type of game that, you know, the Browns could start to develop an identity around defensively. You know, that, that this is how we're going to shut a team out for three quarters and, and really let our offense get us a, enough of a lead that we can just kind of take it easy from there. And, and you know, with Jacoby at quarterback, that's really what we need from them. And we just haven't had it all year. And this, in this game, it was, it was really fun to see. Yeah, so, so Susan, um, Jeff and I were actually talking about that, the linebacker play um, yes. after the game. And, you know, it's not only that we haven't seen that this season, we haven't seen linebacker play like that, you know, as far as, um, you know, putting pressure on quarterbacks and stuff for, it seems like for years. It has been years. It has been a really long time, actually. Right. So I think think a lot of that has to go with the defensive tackle position, though, too. Or, you know, how you stack yeah. them up, and that's obviously a weak point on the defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, no offense to the players, they're young, learning, or whatever, but we need to upgrade. We should, if we had had Richardson, if he had just stayed a couple of years ago, it would be so much better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, DT would be helping <laughs> the linebackers. I mean, it, w- it would be helping Miles and Clowney, too. You know, mm-hmm. um, or whoever's out there at, uh, at defensive end, but um i just when i watch that defense i just kind of wonder what you guys think if that linebacker play is kind of what's been missing on this team and what we see from some other teams uh, you know not only in the division but other places that seem to um you know that seem to um utilize their linebackers differently yeah they usually utilize yeah they utilize them differently um but they have different linebackers too you know the browns don't don't um when taki taki's not out there and before jones came you know that most of the guys out there are not that big they're not they're not um the the thumpers um nope right and they're not doing that so it, it almost feels like they figured out by by having to do this, that, hey, this works with these big, bigger linebackers. You know, we can do more. Um, it allows other guys to do to do their jobs. Um, do you think it, Woods, Woods maybe should think about doing the same approach with different aerial assaults with the teams then? Maybe this just unleashed something. Like, hey... Or we blitzed our linebackers pretty much the entire game, and we got there quite a bit, and we disrupted the backfield, and that allowed our, our DBs and our safety a little bit of cushion and time and room. Maybe that's what we just need to do to the teams that go through the air as opposed to the ones on the ground. Yeah, well, I, 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 it's ahead. definitely a matchup thing, Susan. Um, yeah. You know, Cincinnati's not really known for a strong offensive line. Um, so, you know, I think you, you can exploit that with blitzes and, and the linebacker play. Um, you know, I think over the last couple of weeks, we've seen Joe Woods sending pressure from different places. And that's really 
what this defense will be successful at. I don't think it's consistently sending it from one place. I think it's it's sort of, you know, disguising that and sending it from different places. Is, is, I mean, that's how most NFL defenses are successful. So, um, you know, we, we've seen corner blitzes. We've seen mm-hmm. safety blitzes. Um, you know, we saw, we saw Ronnie Harrison in the box a lot Monday night, which – that was you know, fun. That was fun. Pretty much been the invisible man all year, you know. Um, so we're starting yeah. to see that that three safety deployment that we've been talking about for the last several years. I just think the defense is finally evolving, you know, to the point where guys know what they're doing um, and they're not having to just play safe. You know, they can be a little bit more aggressive. Uh, that, that, that paid off against a, a really weak offensive line and you know, put a lot of pressure on Burrow. Is that a from, do you think that's a player issue or a coach issue? Like, do you think the players were playing a little bit more lax? Or do you think that uh, the defense that was presented was like off coverage and stuff, you know, more like a prevent? Well, I, I think it's it's definitely a personnel thing. I mean, you know, Taki Taki is more of a physical player. Um, and this is his first time playing the mic position. And, you know, he's just been itching for this opportunity. Um, you know, so like Rod was saying, we've, we've, we've had some undersized guys who tend to be better in coverage. Um, I think JOK, you know, has that, that mindset of, of being able to attack the quarterback, but I don't think he's, you know, is really big enough and strong enough at this point to have a lot of success at that. Um, so, but again, I don't want to say that that's the recipe in every game. You know, I, I think. Right. You know, it worked. It worked this week. I think it will work in 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 other matchups. But the key really is, is is getting pressure on the quarterback from different places. Yeah, because I mean, JOK has a very specific skill set that uh, that's going to work very right. well against some teams and some quarterbacks. Right. You know, um, I mean, we we did we did a really effective job of shutting down Lamar Jackson. You know, a week ago. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. he, and he and Burrow are two completely different quarterbacks, but they, they present some of the same kinds of challenges, right? That, you know, you got to keep them in the pocket. Um, as soon as Burrow starts completing a bunch of passes, he believes he can and you're in trouble, right? So yes. <laughs> what, what did he, what did he complete? Like, I don't know, 15 well, well he, no, 25 he was, passes, but he was actually was 25 of 35, which is which is a pretty good percentage. But, but most of that know, was in the fourth quarter garbage time. It was. I mean, he, he threw for 232 yards and two touchdowns. So his his uh, his stat line is deceptively good. You know, other than right. the 232 yards is about half of what he's thrown for each of the past, you know, the two games before that, I think. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at 232 yards, you know, okay. But um, then you the, you you look at the running game, and Joe Mixon carried the ball eight times for 27 yards. Right. So you know, um, that's you know that that's not a lot of yards for for an offense that's been kind of tearing it up. Um, since Cincinnati had 229 net yards, and, and Cleveland had 440. Look so at that. that time of possession, too. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They, the Browns had, had, had it for an extra, what, 13 and a half minutes? 
Yeah, that's it. No, Almost the full quarter. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so let's. Uh, I'm sure you guys want to talk about the Amari Cooper pass, you know. And it's not that I want to dwell on the only bad play in the whole <laughs> game or anything, but it it was kind of comical because Amari Cooper talked about how terrible it was and everything. And uh, you know, when we were at the game, I have to say the way they did the, and uh, I, I think Amari uh, Cooper was the third guy to touch the ball on that play, if I'm if I'm correct. I think it went right. to to the back and then to Cooper. Um, yeah. I, I didn't even know who threw the ball. I thought Jacoby threw the ball actually, you know, until I saw the replay. But, um, you know, I mean, he's getting hit as he throws it. And like you said, Jeff, he never got to plant his feet or anything. And, and the ball came up short. Um, you know, he, he didn't like the play. So I'm sure we're never going to see it again, but again, it it was one bad play. Yeah. And, and, um, were they up, uh, was it eight to nothing? I'm I'm thinking when that happened. I'm thinking they had yeah. I'm thinking they had the lead at that point. So it was eight nothing, and yes. they're, and they're driving, and everybody's thinking, why did they do this? So so yeah, I'm with you guys. It's it's kind of questionable, but I, I'll let you guys each each uh, throw in some thoughts. So so Jeff, if you want on that play, just because just because it was kind of so such an interesting part of the game. Yeah, I I don't want to beat a dead horse, but um. You know, the Browns had just scored. The defense had just forced a three and out, and they had just gotten a big first down on the prior play. I mean, they had—I think they had run the ball ten or eleven yards or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then they—they they run that play that um, it's just not a high percentage play. I mean, if it's if 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 everything goes perfectly, uh, yeah, the receiver is is wide open down the field. Okay, go. Okay. Okay, let's let's hit a home run. Okay, and let's let's bury these guys right now. Um, and I like that mentality from Kevin Stefanski. Um, but I just thought, you know, stick to your knitting, as Jim Jones used to say. You're you know, you're beating these guys, you're mauling them on the line, right? Why yeah. get tricky at that point on something that is so low percentage? You know, um, and, and I, I generally don't have an issue with how Kevin Stefanski calls a game, but I thought he really was a little too aggressive on that particular play. Uh, ends up it didn't hurt us, but um, yeah, right. I, I would have I would have just continued to, you know, run your meat and potatoes offense at that point um, yeah. rather than, you know, doing something that high risk. Yeah. Susan, what do you think? I, I completely agree. Um, completely agree with that i i understand the the momentum take your shot open it you know see what you can do maybe you can catch them off guard but i'm not understanding we don't have jarvis landry anymore you know that's exactly what i was thinking amari Cooper is not jarvis landry as far as he's not the guy you want if you're gonna if you're gonna go for the home run you're not gonna have you're not gonna have amari cooper be the guy throwing the home run ball that is correct. That was my whole thing. I'm like, I, I understand the creativeness of the play and where it yeah. could have possibly gone. But like you said, personnel and execution, just I didn't see any yeah. point. Like you said, we're at home. You got the lead. You just keep pounding it. And you know something will always break with our running backs. And that just opens it up just as much as that trick play that never really should have happened. 
That's what I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you 100. Um, and yeah, fortunately, like like Jeff said, it didn't it didn't hurt them. Um, they they maintained the the shutout at that point. So um, it was it was just that game started so slow. Um, you know, it seemed like it was going to be one of those six to three games for the longest time because they just kept going back and forth either via turnover or punts. Um, and that, yeah. you know, yes. for quite a while, um, the Browns we had some, finally some drive killing penalties in that first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. we had, we had a few things that just didn't go our way early on. And, you know, there's been plenty of games where those kinds of things have happened and the Browns have not been able to overcome it. Um, but they did, you know, that, that, that to me showed a lot of character in this game. It's like the bright lights. We can come out and really ball. Yeah. And, and, I won't spend a lot of time on this, but Jeff, you and I had a little, a little conversation about penalties while we were sitting there watching the game because it, it really felt like the Browns weren't getting anything called in their favor. And I just want to give the final uh, total on penalties for this game because there were not a lot called. Um, but the Browns had six penalties for 56 yards. Uh, Bengals had two penalties for six yards in this game. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I know the Bengals don't get a lot of penalties called against them. Maybe that's something that goes, I mean, and, you know, you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe they play cleaner football, you know, maybe, maybe it's coaching, you know, maybe they don't commit as many penalties as the Browns do. I can see that. Mm-hmm. But how many games does a team get away with only two penalties for six yards? It, I mean, it's almost impossible to have a penalty free game in the NFL. Yeah. So, um, you, you know, you to just, me, absolutely. It's, it's about the judgmental things, Rod. It's like, you know, the, the late hit out of bounds. Okay. The, the things that are borderline that, that tend to go for some teams and against other teams. Yeah. And there yeah. were a couple of them in this game that I thought were just really glaring that that's, that are still telling me that the officials aren't cutting us any slack. And yeah, you know, and that's how it feels. Yeah. Just, just, Call the game the same for both teams. And, you know, you know, that will never happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I want. That's all I've ever said. You know, I, I did. That's all, like all, was... all of us have wanted. That's all we've ever wanted. Just can right. you call the game like you call everybody else? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, this game did not have the big penalty that determined anything or anything like that. But, no, no. But there were several little things like you're talking about that. Where you're just sitting watching, you're like, okay, that's going against our team too. Um, right. You know, when are they going to call something, you know, against the Bengals? And they never really did. And you like know? we all know, almost every play, Miles pretty much gets held, and that never gets called. So, right. what do you do? Yeah. So yeah. So um, I, I think at at one point, um, Jeremy leaned over and said, "Oh, we we got away with." with holding on that play and I said and I just leaned over to him I said you don't think they're holding miles on every single play (laughs) (laughs) I said I don't feel bad about the refs not calling holding on one of our offensive linemen because I know it's happening on the other side (laughs) yeah 100 percent 100 percent so anyways I don't want to dwell on that because it's not a huge deal but the point the point is that I still think the Browns aren't getting aren't getting 
the slack that the games still are not being called equally, you know, and, and that's all we want is equal footing. So, um, I, we've already talked about, uh, Taki Taki. There've been, there were a couple other guys, um, who really had nice games. Um, I mean, miles was very disruptive in this game, a sack and a half. He had the, the tipped ball that led to the, to the AJ green interception. Um, yes. He was just, he was causing problems for Burrow. And um, MJ Emerson had an excellent game, too. Um, he was just, I really like him. Yeah. He, he continues really to look like, like the steal of the draft. It's, yes. He's getting better, too. Yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, he's covering, he's covering really good receivers, um, you know, Monday night and uh, doing, a, doing an excellent job. Uh, if you look at, uh, if you look at Cincinnati's receiving numbers, I mean, Joe, Joe Mixon had seven receptions for 32 yards, which, you know, very short stuff. Hayden Hurst had four receptions for 42. Their their top wide receiver was is, uh, was uh, T. Higgins with three receptions for 49 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, that's it. Um, I, I guess on the offensive side, let's let's look at the other Browns numbers real quick. Amari um, uh, Cooper, um, five receptions for 131 yards and a touchdown. Just a huge game for him. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, four receptions for 81 yards. Uh, Kareem Hunt, four for 30. Um, and uh, David Bell had had two receptions in this game, 27 yards. So nice nice to see him involved a little bit more. Um, and then. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, 17 to 22 for 278 yards and a touchdown. Just an excellent line there. Nick Chubb, 23 rushes for 101 yards and two touchdowns. Um, remember that line because we're going to get back to Nick Chubb later. Uh, Kareem Hunt carries the ball 11 times for 42 yards. And Dearness Johnson actually got in at the end of the game. I. I was going to look up if he had carries earlier in the season or not. I don't think he did, but I might be wrong there. Um, he carried the ball four times for 17 yards. So um, just good to see different guys get chances and, uh, you know, and to see really the guys who have been playing well most of the season, Percet, Chubb, Cooper, those guys just, just doing very well. So, uh, Susan, thoughts on any of those, uh, any of those players, anything you want to add in there? Um, well, are you, first, let me ask this. Are you guys happy that we did not shop Kareem Hunt? Jeff, you want to go first on that? I've been saying, I guess, for months now that I kind of expected Kareem to get traded. Um, the only thing I can say is the the right deal must not have been there um, because I really felt like it was going to happen. Um, not that I wanted it to happen. I think he adds another dimension to our offense that, um, you know, if we're in a playoff race, we want that. Um, mm-hmm. But just knowing where his contract sits and, you know, where we are as a football team, I really kind of expected it to happen. And I'm frankly shocked that you know they didn't find a trade partner i i thought that somebody in the league would be willing to to pay at least a third round draft pick for a guy with the upside of kareem hunt that they're you know they're making a run at the playoffs um just didn't happen 
you know, I think I'm in almost the exact same position. I, I expected it to happen. I don't really, you know, didn't really want it to happen. I, I love Kareem Hunt, but you look at the running backs on this team and, and, and the future of this team and, and you expect him to not be here at some point just because of, of the other guys. Um, and so, so yeah, I thought it would happen. And I'm honestly shocked because I thought that I, I thought that somebody would want him on their team. I mean, this is a guy who who's led the league in rushing and yeah. he's, you know, he, he doesn't have a lot of, uh, of miles, miles on him over the past nope. 10, you know, or over the past, what, uh, how long has he been in Cleveland now? Three, three or four seasons. Um, yeah. you know, he's, he's not carrying the ball a ton. So, man, he could really go in and help a team. I mean, he could help a team big time. And so so I thought the Browns would get um, pretty much, you know, what they were looking for. I mean, you know, unless, they're, unless their price was just really too high. But I would have thought they could have gotten something close to a third-round pick for him. And I'm surprised it didn't happen. But, I mean, I, I'm glad he's in Cleveland. Um, I, I love watching him play. He's, you know, he's just – He's he's as fun as Nick Chubb is to watch just for different reasons. You know, he he's just like you said, he he runs with his hair on fire and it's just uh it's just um just a lot of fun to watch him. And, and one other thing, Rod, about um the comp the compensatory compensatory picks for losing free agents. I've I've seen yeah. a lot of stuff written about um how that whole process works and it's it's kind of a, a big mystery in the NFL. And, and I think that's by design, you know, they mm-hmm. want to have some, they want to have a little bit of a shroud in terms of who they give picks to. Um, yeah. but, um, the way, the way I understand that it works is all of the players that you lose minus the players that you sign determines where you sit in the pecking order for, um, those picks being awarded. Okay, so while Kareem Hunt himself isn't going to get you a specific compensatory pick, we are going to lose a few other, I won't say marquee, but, you know, fairly high tier free agents this year. Okay, Um, obviously, Jacoby um, is is probably going to start for somebody next year. Um, And then there's. Greedy and Jack Conklin, who are both in the final years of their deals, uh, and throw Kareem into that mix. One or two guys, because we're very close to the cap next year, that puts mm-hmm. us in a stronger position for a higher compensatory pick than if we trade Kareem for a lower pick and he's not part of that equation. Yeah, yeah, that's um, the way I understand it too. Um, whether they do multiple lower picks or, you know, or one higher pick or however they do it. Cause like you said, it is kind of shrouded in secrecy. It's somewhat, um, you know, cause some teams do lose a, a high name free agent and they pretty much do assign one high pick, you know, high compensatory pick for that. But I don't think it always works that way. So, right. Um, There's a certain number of guys in the league that, that, that formula works for. Right. And then all right. the rest of them right. sort of get lumped in. Yeah, yeah, hmm. definitely. So, so yeah, I mean, well, I, you guys, you guys just taught me something. So thank you. I had no idea. It's incredible. 
Yeah, I mean, so so obviously, if they if the Browns couldn't get the third rounder or the fourth rounder that they were seeking, they they were better off keeping him anyways than than letting him go for a you know maybe a fifth round pick or something that somebody offered. So because you get him for this season, which which saves you know some miles on Nick Chubb and and uh, plus you have him at least going toward a possible compensatory pick. So. Yep. So it makes sense to me, and it, it seems like a good strategy. So, um, I like those two together. It's sad that they have to – we know eventually they're going to not be together, but they're just – styles are so different. They're so fun to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, definitely. So the, so the Browns moved to 2-1 and one in the division. You know, they're 3-5, and five, but 2-1 and one in the division. Uh, they send the Bengals to 0-3 oh in the division. Um, Ravens are are two and zero oh in the division with with uh, what uh, four more division games. Um, Browns have uh, three left. Bengals have three. So um, still a lot of division play left. So um, it will we'll see. I mean, you know, just just looking at the schedule, uh, I, I did peek at the Ravens schedule, and, and I got to be honest, it it does not look as hard as the Browns schedule. <laughs> <laughs> they do not. It's just not. So I, I honestly believe it's going to be tough for the Browns to catch the Ravens. But um, you never know. Things happen. Um, In Chubb know, we yeah. trust. Okay. In Chubb <laughs> we trust. Well, the problem is the, the Ravens have a two-game lead, plus they're two and zero in the division. So it's not that I, not that I don't have faith in this Browns team. I do. It's that I believe the Ravens are going to have a pretty good, uh, pretty good run from here on out, based on looking at their schedule. But I could be wrong. Um, you, you just never know. I mean, the Browns are coming up on a tougher part of their schedule. Um, you know, their next. Their next three games in particular after the bye, they're at Miami, at Buffalo, and then home against the Buccaneers. So, um, you know, three Yikes. potentially tough games. Um, so, so uh, especially that one at Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's 6-1 and one and looks like they could, you know, pretty much kill anybody right now. So, um, And don't forget they just added Naheem Hines. Don't forget... He's now in their backfield, running back from the Colts. Well, yeah, they play, needed he some could help. Play well, like a slot, he could play a wide uh, slot receiver, you know? Yeah, he's yeah he's a good player. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, Buffalo needed more help. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'll say this about the Ravens. More, uh-huh. um, the, Ra- the Ravens also lost Rashad Bateman today. For the year, um, I saw that. For the rest yeah. of the year, which makes them even more one-dimensional. It does. They, um, they. I'm trying to think. They added somebody on defense, but they, you know, they lost Bateman. So, um, they, um, they, obviously, this isn't a Ravens podcast, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, so the Ravens might be better on defense, but they're taking a step back on offense. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not giving them anything. I'm just saying, just looking, comparing the Browns' schedule from here on out to the Ravens' schedule. The Browns' schedule looks tougher to me. So, uh, but we'll see what yeah, happens. A little bit. There's a lot a of bit. games left to play. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you guys this. I went through and I added up the Browns' uh, opponents' records um, for the first part. Of, we'll just call it the first half. I know we're not um, 
halves here, but since we're at the, since we're at the bye, um, first mm-hmm. half of the season, Browns opponents. Um, you want to you want to guess their their combined record? Um, you guys out out of out of sixty out of sixty three games. What do you think their record it was, Jeff? Out of the first out of the teams we've played so far. Pittsburgh's really the only one that's below 500, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I think we played teams that we didn't think were going to be that good, but teams like they the Jets are. that are, they have more <laughs> wins than we thought they would, right? right. So I'm, I'm going to guess that, you know, they're probably 38, 40 wins. Um, well, it's definitely above 500, no doubt about that. So let's go, let's go. Out my favorite numbers. I'll go thirty-three. Um, those opponents are thirty and thirty-three. The, the Panthers are two and six. Oh, the Steelers okay. are two and six. I forgot about the Panthers. Yeah, so the did Panthers, I. Panthers okay. dragged it down. But uh, yeah, of okay. the, the rest of the team, okay. the, those are the only two <laughs> teams you, that are below five hundred. <laughs> yeah, those, those are like the only that. two teams below five hundred, but they drag it down to thirty and thirty-three. Right. Okay. So um, the second half of the season, um, after the bye, uh, take a guess what what that record is out of uh, out of um, out of sixty nine games. Oh no! By the tone in your voice and and your leading to the question, I'll say forty. Forty ones. Yeah. Okay, Jeff. Yeah, it's probably a high number like that. I'll stick with my 30, 38 guess. It is 33 and 36. Really? That, that's, well, you, you have to count um, Houston at one and five, um, Pittsburgh at two and six. Um, and there are, let's see, Miami's five and three, Buffalo's six and one. Um, Baltimore five and three. There's three teams with winning records. So you're saying there's a chance. There's There's a a chance. Three teams (laughs) with winning records in the second half. And honestly, there there were um, one, two, three teams with winning records in the first half as well. Right now. Um, Jets, Jets, Chargers and Ravens have winning records right now. Everybody else we played is either even or has a losing record. Wow. So it's wow. very interesting. Yeah, it's just it's it's the season of, of everybody being right around five hundred. I was just gonna say that. Nothing like mediocrity. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Parody, as they used to say. <laughs> anybody can beat anybody. That's, that's yeah. right. That's right. And yeah, I mean and those numbers are skewed by the bad teams, you know, the two and sixes and the you know, right. and the um and um I was looking at uh, Houston, you know, at, at one and whatever, one and six or yeah. one and five. Yeah. So um, do we there's, know there's how only, long? Go ahead. Sorry, Susan. I was just going to say there's only a couple teams there that are really going to be tough, right? Um, in the second half? Well, I mean, yeah, you, you I mean, kind Buff- of have to worry Buffalo. about Miami and Buffalo. Miami and Buffalo. I'm not as worried about Miami as, as I am Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo is the game that you kind of you're going into Buffalo. You kind of feel like that's 
You know, if there's a game you're going to circle and say, yeah, we're probably going to take a loss, that's going to be the one game in the second half. You know, you don't think Bradley Chubb brings that extra element to the Miami's defense? I mean, I'm they scare me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm certainly I'm certainly not saying that Miami's a win. <laughs> I think Miami is probably the is the second toughest game on on the second half of the schedule, definitely. Double team Garrett, Tua rolls out and he's got weapons. That's the scariest thing. He's got yeah. Cheetah out there. That's scary. Yeah, I, I think it's Buffalo and then Miami and then the rest of the games I think are are winnable games. All of, I mean, not that not that the first two aren't, but I mean I think the Browns can be competitive or, or win all the rest of the games. You know, you if got, they play like they just did, then absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to predict a record, but you're the Buccane- Buccaneers are three and five. Um, you know, um, Houston is Houston playing Cincinnati again. <laughs> you're, playing, you're playing Baltimore, um, which you know, uh, Browns yeah. played played well enough to win that game. Um, New Orleans, Washington, and, and Pittsburgh again. So um, yeah. Browns have a shot really in all those games. But uh, Buffalo and Miami are are tough games. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Do we do we know exactly how long Chief is out for? David and Joku, do we know? At the highest. I heard two sprain? to five weeks. Two to high yeah, five two to weeks, five. Susan. Oh, but man. high ankle sprains can linger. Mm, gotcha. Okay. He just adds a different element. Well, it certainly offense. changed the offense this week, didn't it? Yes. I think that's why we used Kareem Hunt, to be honest with you, because he is also so willing to block, you know, to get up there. And he enjoys trying to level people, which, by the way, Hudson had a phenomenal play on um, in that game. And he was on the mm-hmm. right side and he crossed over. Man, he leveled that guy so hard for the touchdown score. That was awesome yeah. to watch. Yeah. That's the creativity we can do. <laughs> we yeah. have the personnel for it. <laughs> we had we had six and seven linemen out there at times. That was it fun worked to for watch. me. I mean when you when yes. you have Nick Chubb, why not? Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't um, I didn't write all of the passing numbers down. I don't think the Browns completed a pass to a tight end. Um, but, I don't know, think they, so either. David Bell had the two so. catches, and and Michael Woods had his first catch of the season. Was that that was on the first drive? Was that the first? Uh, was that the Browns' first play, Jeff? Or it was it was one of the first. I don't play. remember. It was the first pass. Uh, first pass was to Michael was. Michael Woods on the sideline. I think it may have been the second play because I think the first may have been a chub run. Yeah, but anyway, and that was the only pass he caught, but. <laughs> So essentially, though, I mean, that really says a lot about our tight ends, then. They're willing to block and just be offensive linemen in the offense, which is pretty cool. Like, what's Bryant's numbers on the year? Harrison Bryant. Not a lot. Not a lot. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's not been a lot. But he's out there blocking. He's doing his job. You know, it's nice to see that. I can respect that. That's what um, Njoku did. Now it's his time to shine. He's injured. Get well, get back out there because he's huge. 
he can dominate, but it's been really interesting. Offensive yep. linemen and all. Use it. They've, they've been uh, pretty creative with the roster, with not carrying a fullback and using mm-hmm. the offensive linemen there and, and moving, you know, tight ends around and things like that. So, um, I, you know, I, they, I think they've made pretty good use of the roster, and it really makes it look like they – you know, like the way the roster is built is is correct because they haven't had issues with, you know, things not working. Every most uh, most of the time when they've had linemen in there to play other positions, whether it's fullback or, you know, or or being a sixth or seventh lineman, it's it's all worked out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's looked pretty good. So, so we we've, we've talked about Kareem Hunt and these other guys not being traded. Um, were you guys surprised that the Browns didn't? acquire anybody before the trade deadline jeff yeah probably not as surprised as i was that hunt wasn't traded um but yeah there there, there's obviously a couple holes that would have been nice to fill Um, i think bringing Deion jones in probably was that move um you know in in the absence of being able to go find a, an interior D lineman. Um, but you know, those, those deals are just hard to pull off and apparently yeah. nothing was there. Susan, were you well, expecting a move? To be honest, I was actually, I thought honestly, Hunt was going to be shot and we would obviously bring somebody else in. I thought that would be, the out for him and the in with somebody else. I thought there would be picks and everything else involved. That would have been a perfect, perfect world scenario, for sure. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah and I don't know, to be honest, I don't know um, what position, honestly, would come first. Like you said, adding Jones kind of addressed that initial issue with Walker being out. But... I don't know. Maybe they just didn't think schematically anybody, the personnel was there for Woods's defense. If I was going to add, that's where I would add, not offense. I would have added defense, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, uh, I, I guess Andrew Barry said that he was close to making a deal, but the, the compensation just didn't work out. And there was no word on who the player was or, or, the position or anything like that. So I guess we're just kind of left to to wonder what that might right. have been. But you have to figure it, it. Right. It it. I would just think it had to have been either a defensive tackle or you know unless they went were looking for another uh, wide receiver or something. But I would think it almost had to have been a, a defensive tackle. Did I you guys think yeah. we were in the um, Brandon Cook sweepstakes? I, I would think so, but, um, you know, I just don't know what they think about him because he's come up before and they just, you know, I think they've had chances to go after him other times and haven't done it. So um, I, I just don't know. He's a guy who's moved to various teams and maybe there's something more going on there than just talent. So Maybe I, I there's more going on with the organization too, so. Yeah. I'm glad we just I'm glad we stayed away. Like I said, I think you can find that things on offense 
the wide receivers and stuff, uh, linemen, things like that, the veterans. But you, your veteran, like we were saying, veteran linebackers, those are hard to come by. Maybe we yeah. solved what we needed to solve. I mean, so Taki Taki was a uh, mic position, and everything ran smoothly. So do you mm-hmm. do we stick with it after the bye? Do you think Woods will stick with that? I I think like Jeff said, it's matchup driven, you know, because they have some flexibility there now. You know, I think it depends on uh, on uh, what they feel works best. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'll see. You know, um, it, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I, I think they, I think they have to feel pretty good about how it works with Taki Taki and, and and Jones out there. But you know, that's not going to be best against everybody. So, um, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch because I mean, it's not like uh, like JOK is not going to play anymore. You know, he's he's going to be out there. Um, yeah, um, uh, for sure, he's still a, a huge part of the defense, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're, they just, it, it's probably a matter of figuring out how to best use his skill sets, um, you know, in, in specific situations or which games he fits best in and which games Taki Taki and Jones fit best in and just trying to be smart. I mean, that that's the coach's job, right? Yep. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, with JOK, uh, JOK, with JOK, he, uh, I can see him blitzing more than anything when you put him in. He's he's more of an instinct. If this makes any sense, this is how I see him, and I may be wrong. Correct me. He's a very instinctive player. He plays hard and he tries to run through the player, but he's an instinctive player. You put him in an area, he'll find the ball. He'll find the player. Yeah. That doesn't always that doesn't always work against scheme, you know. Right, right. So um, I wanted to go back to the score predictions for last week, just real quick, and then um, I want to I want to go over some some stat projections that I've looked up and just give you guys some interesting stuff. Um, maybe get some guesses from you on a few things. Um, obviously, the the score was thirty two to thirteen. Um, and let's see, um, the over under was 47, so that's what 45 points were scored, so it was the under. So, um, Peter Jones had 24 21, so he picked the he picked the under. So, Peter, you were correct on the under. Um, Jeff had 45 24 going with the over, um. But he had the Browns winning by 21 points, and they won by 19. So Jeff was correct on the spread. Way to go, Jeff. All right. <laughs> um, I had the Browns winning 33-30. to 30. So I was pretty close on the Browns' score, how many points they got. So, uh, But not on the Bengals' score. So um, we're going to call this a three-way draw, okay? Um, which means Jeff and I are still winless. But we all picked <laughs> something right. Um, it's but, okay, fellas. Next next game. Next game. We're but, we're just getting warmed up, Rod. Exactly. Yeah, but I did pro- I did uh, project that Nick Chubb would have twenty plus carries and two touchdowns. Bingo. Right there. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
But let's get into that. Um, Nick Chubb, so far this season, 149 carries, 841 yards, averaging 5.6 a carry, and he scored 10 touchdowns. So an average game for Nick Chubb so far is 19 carries, 105 yards, and and a touchdown in a quarter. So a, a touchdown a game. Wow. So I pretty much projected an average game for Nick Chubb, just one extra touchdown. Okay. So you said just one extra. <laughs> just one extra. Yeah. Just one. So, yeah. so so Nick Chubb is on pace for 317 carries. Uh, 1,787 yards and 21 touchdowns. And I'm sure he'll still be overlooked as Offensive Player of the Year. He might be. <laughs> but just, just to um, give you an idea of wh- where that season would place in Brown's history, um, where do you guys believe the 1,787 yards would be as a rushing total in Brown's history. How many seasons have been better than that? Wow. If Jeff, if you have an idea, you're welcome to throw it out to. Well, I know Jim Brown had 1,800 watts in 14 games, I think. He did. Um, he had I, 1,863 yards in 1963 and that's a 14-game season yeah um boy beyond that um because mac and biner kind of split yardage the number i think really... i thought they both equipped a thousand apiece though in, yeah, in yeah, one season they, a, they did nobody but had a yeah. huge season nobody had one you know Nobody got enough carries to have a yeah. huge season. I, right? I think Mac gotcha. had, had around 1,100 and Biner had like 1,007 or something, just just over 1,000. So, uh-huh. okay, um, so, boy, without yeah, without going ooh. way back in the archives, um, I, I'm going to say that's probably top two or three. It it, it would be top two. Okay, the second wow. best the second best season in Browns history is Jim Brown, of course, 1965, he had 1,544 yards. Okay, big difference. I I think um, (laughs) I didn't write that down. That's probably 14 games, too. What year? Back then, 65. So it's only two years later. 14-game schedule, yeah. So he would eclipse that by, you know, 200 and 243 yards. Yeah. Um, Wow. So that just gives you an idea of, of, of him. So... Um, yeah, and, and uh, he is unreal. Yeah, so it, well, and there's there's been a commitment to running him. I mean, you know, he's yeah. he's yeah, he's right. gotten carries and and he's made the most of them. Um, you know, Rod, I I said this to you before you left on Tuesday that you know um, I equate this to you've got a bunch of employees and one employee is doing a super job day in and day out. And they're just killing it. And they're, you know, they're, they're outperforming everybody else in the company and, and all the other people in the company are like, you know, kind of slacking. And you, you know, as the manager, you go back to that person who's really killing it. And you say, um, we want you to do more because you're doing such <laughs> a great job. We want you to do more. Okay. Yeah. Well, Nick Chubb's Nick Chubb is doing his job. Let's get everybody else doing their job. 
Yes, one hundred percent. And whether or not it was to shop Kareem Hunt or actually utilize him the way I think all of us fans would like, split it up, split up, split it up, spread it out. Let's go. All we just run it. We could run it every down if we wanted to. You could be creative enough with it. And and let's put this in perspective, okay? You know, we we think of Jim Brown getting the ball like almost every time, okay, when the Browns played. Um, Nick Chubb's on pace for 317 carries this season, averaging 19 yes. carries a game. That's All a right. lot. It, it, it's a lot. And it, guess what? Now, now Jim Brown um, play his first four seasons were 12 game seasons and his last five seasons were 14 game seasons. Okay. But he had, he put up huge numbers. Everybody, everybody knows this 12,000 yeah. yards in, in nine, nine seasons. Yep. Guess what the most carries was that Jim Brown ever had in a season. In a game or in a, in a, oh, in a season. For a, a whole, whole season. Uh, a whole season. For a whole season. Just to equate to the 317 that, that Nick Chubb is on pace for right now. Yeah. I'm going to say 280. You have a guess, Susan? Probably right there with Jeff, somewhere in there. Two, 270? He actually had 305 in 1961. Okay. Okay, and... But wow. other than that, he had he had 291, 290, 289, 280. It was normally around 280 or 290 a season. Okay, okay. And that's Jim Brown, who played at 235 pounds when most of the guys he was playing against were 200 or under. Right. Okay. Um, well, and they so, ran him a lot. I mean, that, that in those days, I mean, well, you, they had, did. You, had, you had a couple of ends. You didn't have the, the vertical passing attack that, that the NFL employs now. Correct. Correct. I mean, Paul yeah. Brown was way ahead of everybody else with, you know, throwing the ball in the 40s and 50s. But, I mean, you know, around Jim Brown's time, late 50s and, and, and early 60s, um, teams weren't throwing the ball a ton. They were running the ball. Okay. 305 carries in 14 games is just under 22 carries a game. So I just want to caution people when they're when they want to to Nick Chubb to get 25 carries a game. Right. It's too much. Right. It's too much. Um, I you know, that's 18, why 19, 20 is 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 enough. Uh, yes, it is absolutely. absolutely. Well, and a lot depends on when those carries come, Rod. Yes, when they're, sometimes you know, when, they're, when they're in the when they're in the third quarter and you're up 25 to nothing, those are low stress carries. Yeah. Yeah. When you're seven, seven in the first quarter or you're down two touchdowns. Okay. Those are high stress carries. Right. We want, we want to deploy Nick Chubb in low stress situations, you know, optimally with, with, you know, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, we get an early lead. First and ten. Yeah, we get an early lead and kill clock later in the game with our running game, right? So that's we have we have an extremely efficient passing attack right now. That's what's letting us unleash our running game. Yeah, yeah. So let's move on to. um, I've got 
two other players, and I'll try to go through these quick because we've been going for a while, guys. Amari Cooper, okay, um, mm-hmm. has 39 catches for 553 yards and five touchdowns. He is on pace for 83 catches, 1,175 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Okay. Um, <laughs> where would that 1175 place him as a Browns receiver historically? Um, you know, what, as far as what place that would be, you know, as far as most yards in the season. Just take a quick guess, and then I'll give you guys the, the actual numbers. I'm going to let Susan go go with this one. See, I, I think don't we've even... talked about this kind of in another format, right? So I think I have a pretty oh, good Oh, we did. Okay. Yeah, we did somewhat. Well, then don't just hang me out to dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Throw me a bone from a dog pound. Um, well, I don't think about the, the LSU guys that were on the team a couple of years ago. Absolutely. I mean, wow. All time. All time, yeah. Um, I can't imagine it. Him even being in the top ten. The eleven seventy five. Okay, here, here, here are here's your list. Okay, um, mm-hmm. Josh Gordon in um, two thousand thirteen had one thousand six hundred forty six yards in that crazy season. Um, uh, Braylon Edwards in 2007 had 1,289. That is second place. Uh, Webster Slaughter in 1989 had 1,236 yards. And Jarvis Landry in 2019 had 1,174, which is almost exactly what Amari Cooper's on pace for. Cooper, Cooper, I figured up, is one yard ahead of that. So Amari Cooper has a chance to have the fourth best receiving season in Browns history, yardage-wise. You know what surprises me with Amari Cooper is he's one of those guys that's kind of quiet, and you don't realize he's putting up big numbers. Yeah, he's doing it. He really is. Yeah. The, five, the five touchdowns is is uh, something we haven't seen out of a receiver <laughs> in a while. You know, um, we, we haven't had anybody with a lot of touchdowns for a while. And I'll just throw this out, guys. There, there have been... And I've probably talked about this before in the podcast, but there have been 15 1,000 receiving yard seasons in Browns history, and there have been 26 1,000-yard rushing seasons in Browns history. That's our organization. (laughs) I wonder what our blueprint is. I have no idea. Yeah. So one more guy I want to say real quick, and that's Jacoby Mm -hmm. Brissett. Okay, he's thrown for 1,862 yards. And um, seven seven uh, touchdowns, five interceptions. He's on pace for three thousand nine hundred and fifty six yards, fifteen touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Where would that three thousand nine fifty six place him? Wow. How many times has a Cleveland quarterback eclipsed four thousand yards in a season? Right. That's what I'm thinking to myself. I'm like, wow. Yeah. Um, not many. No. Our blueprint. <laughs> not many. Yeah. I'm going to say, I think Baker did it once. Um, Bernie probably did it twice. Sipe did it once. 
and then then you probably got to go back to Otto Graham. I don't know if he ever even did it. Um, yeah, because they just didn't throw the balls much back then, right? No. So yeah, I mean it's 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 going to put him yeah. up there for sure. You're close, Jeff. Let, let me give you the stats. So the the record for the Browns is Brian Sipen's MVP season, 1980. He threw for 4,132 yards. Okay. The the um yeah, let me make sure I'm going these in order. Uh, the second best season is Brian Sipe again, and I didn't write the years down on these. 3,876. Okay. Did Derek Anderson ever get that high? No, no, um, his his he's not on here for that. Um, um, so Bernie yeah. never did over four thousand. No, Bernie Bernie's top is three thousand eight fifty four, and then Baker is wow. three thousand eight twenty seven. Those guys are all within fifty yards of each other. Side wow. so Jacoby's Mayfield. ahead of ahead of all of those guys. He's ahead of all those. If he keeps up his if he would keep up his current pace and play the full season, he would he would end up with the second highest passing yardage total in Browns history. And, and I just, he wouldn't remain a starter at Baffles. I well, just and, want to remind everybody that Jacoby Brissett's the book on him is that he can't throw a deep ball. Yeah, and he's been throwing it. I mean, you have to keep in <laughs> mind, he's also on pace for 15 touchdowns and 11 picks. He's not going to throw for 35 touchdowns. You know, right. and in most of these seasons, if you looked at the touchdowns, you know, Brian Sipe threw 30-plus 30, 30 or 30 or something, and Baker threw close to 30. I mean, right. the, the Browns' touchdown record, I think, is only like 30 or whatever it is, 30-some. Yeah. But, um but you know all these these guys and their years all through quite a few touchdown passes, twenty five or so, um, and Jacoby's nowhere near that. But he's throwing for a lot of yards. Yeah, he's also got an extra game on these guys though too. You have to remember that. Right, right. So I mean, and Amari Cooper would not be doing what he's doing unless Jacoby Brissett was playing out of his mind better than anybody expected him to. That's right. Correct. I agree. One hundred percent with that. Yeah. He seems yeah. to just, um, he seems calm. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, I don't panic watching him yeah. <laughs> when the ball snapped. I don't yeah. know if you guys yeah. get like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. But yeah. It's yeah. just I mean, like he's, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's settled I've, into the offense very well. I think he's in a comfort zone. Um, you know, the, the only thing I'll say, I don't want to, Go off on a tangent, Rod, but um, Jeremy and I were talking a little bit about Jacoby during the game. And, you know, when he ran the ball in for a touchdown, mm-hmm. um, we talked a little bit about Jacoby versus Deshaun. Okay. And I thought that play was a really good example of two different players' uh, skill sets. Okay. Jacoby yeah. saw the, the pylon and and got there, okay, um, but it was a it was a Herculean effort for him, okay, to yeah. get there. Yeah, okay. reaching the ball out and touching the pylon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Hey, it be was. nice, be nice. Deshaun <laughs> makes that play easy, effortlessly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the difference in the two players. Yeah, I agree with you, and I bring up this stat on Jacoby not to. 
try to make a point that he should start the whole season or anything like that. It's merely to, to show how well he's playing. Well, and, and I think that you have to give credit to the coaching staff for putting him in a position to do that. Yeah. 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 I mean, he, he, um, he, he's just, he's doing his job and you know, he, he's made mistakes here and there, but uh, tell me the last quarterback we've had that didn't make mistakes. You know? And Jacoby's been a lot of there. places and he's, he's never done that anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just in, in that um, just having Jacoby Brissett and knowing, I mean, how has it made you guys feel knowing that when you get to a third and one and fourth and one or fourth and one, yeah. that you got it. It's automatic. That we're not going to take automatic. a sack. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're not going to get sacked. We're not going to fumble the ball. We're not going to get driven backwards. We're, we're going to make it. Yeah, there, there's one time all season when we when he didn't make it, and I think they gave him a bad spot. I agree. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's automatic, and it is just so much different. I mean, you know, before it's third and one, I'm like, what are we going to do? You know, is is uh, is the quarterback going to try to sneak it, and we're going to have an issue? Uh, you know, is the the, uh, mm. the snap going to be fumbled? Third... Is he going to hand exactly. off? Exactly. We're going to try a pass. <laughs> what are we going to do? And now it's just like ah. Uh, I think I'll go get myself a snack while they pick up this first down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I if I have that confidence. No, but, I don't uh, either. But it, you, know. you you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, um, I just I, I appreciate what he's done. I mean, I just um, for he's been a leader. He's a leader. How can you not yeah. follow? Yeah. You know, he has been His, and. He, he's probably the guy that I just, you know, that we, that we were, or that I was most unsure of going into the season. I knew all this weight was on him, and I'm thinking, man, I just, I just don't know how the offense is going to do with him because, because he had that reputation, you know, he couldn't pass and all this stuff. And it's like, I watch him now. It's like, who are they talking about? The guy's a pretty yeah, decent he, player. Yes, he is. He is a solid player. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes when he does. He 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 takes um, ownership. He doesn't blame anybody else, and then he just he forgets about it and he moves on. So That's sure the that, thing that lead? is different, you know. It's nice. Yep. Yep. He's he's a true leader. So, all right, well, guys, this is this has been a lot of fun. Um, Really enjoyed that one over the Bengals. Uh, hopefully, uh, everybody enjoys their their time off this weekend. No need to watch any football or anything. Um, just no, no, not at all. Something else, and <laughs> and we'll we'll get back to it in another week. So, um, Susan, we appreciate you coming on and talking some Browns with us. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, let's see. Run the ball, shut down the run, have fun. How about that? Sounds good to me. <laughs> Short and sweet. That's how I like it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff. Uh, I just I want to shout out to the Bengals fan who uh, behind us in the seats kept screaming in our ears um, about how, <laughs> you know, we haven't been to any Super Bowls and they have. Um, I hope she enjoys watching football this week. She obviously just started. Oh.
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the crowd was excellent except for one person. That's all. What can you say? Um, you know, <laughs> that's just how it goes. But anyways. <laughs> that's just how it goes it used to be way worse back in the day at municipal stadium and you guys know that i know there's fights there are brawls there is wild. well the the thing is i guess you have to say at least um i think there was probably a time when bengals fans wouldn't have even bothered to come to cleveland for a game because they didn't even used to go to their own stadium for games (laughs) right you know, yeah. so at least they feel like going out and watching their team now. So you got to right. give them credit for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're in somebody else's house, mind your manners. Yeah, I agree 100 percent. I mean, we do. We do. And we go to other stadiums. So I think um, that's right. Common sense. So anyway, <laughs> so, yeah, so th- this has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening and we will catch you next time.